Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode 33 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, with over 160 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm... Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we wanted to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guest unions or employers, not even their state representatives. Nobody but themselves. Their state representatives, not their federal representatives, their state representatives. Yes, sir. Well, that's a good distinction and kind of on message here. But before we get to that, Shannon, happy anniversary. What are you talking about? My anniversary is in June. Not your wedding anniversary. I'm talking about our anniversary. Though funny story, folks, our wedding anniversaries are actually on the same day. But but don't get the wrong idea. We're married to different people. <laughs> So it is our anniversary of our podcast, Harold. Aw, you remember. right. Yes. Aw. We launched Working to Live in Southwest Washington on Labor Day weekend two years ago, and here we are celebrating another anniversary and another Labor Day. Yay, Labor Day! And we've got a lot to celebrate at our Labor Day picnic in Kalama this year. Check our website at swwaclc.org for all the details about the picnic. Working people are waking up to the fact that they're stronger when they stand together and organize. Have you seen it around the nation? Did you see the latest Gallup survey on union approval in the United States? It's up to 71%. That's the highest it's been since 1965. You know, I think part of that jump in unions approval ratings has to do with all the victories we've been seeing lately at Starbucks, Amazon, Trader Joe's, and the victories that are coming out of the strikes that we're seeing too. Union members are really stepping up and showing other working folks that they can join together and win. And you know what else union members are doing, Harold? Hmm. They're stepping up in other ways. More and more of them are actually running for office to represent us, especially in this election cycle in Southwest Washington. Yeah, don't we have like five union members running for office here in Southwest Washington? Heck yeah, a lot of union members are trying to make a difference in their community. We have six rep positions in the Clark County area and Five are union members running for those offices. That's a pretty big step up. I mean, it's one thing to want to make a difference in your community. It's another thing to want to run for state office and go to Olympia. Let's talk about that a little bit more. We're lucky enough to have one of those union members who's running for office today, Terry Niles. She's a registered nurse and member of the Washington State Nurses Association and a candidate for the Washington State House of Representatives in the 17th Legislative District. Terry, 
What made you want to take the extraordinary step of running for office? So first, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to be here and speak with all of my brothers and sisters out there in the union community. Um, I have been an active union member for my entire career, and unions are one of the greatest forces for good that I've ever been involved with. I'm a 25-year critical care nurse. I, um, I see public service has been kind of a lifetime goal. And so I'm retiring from nursing and I just see being of service to my community as a state representative is just an extension of my desire to serve the public. Particularly after the pandemic, you know, it really came down to working folks are being left behind. There's so much that needs to be done. We need representatives that are going to be a voice for them in Olympia to strengthen workers' rights and our collective bargaining rights and make sure that we really address the issues that affect our communities. Well, I absolutely understand that drive for service. I mean, you are a nurse after all, and serving people is one of those things that people in the healthcare professions do. But why is it, do you think, that being a union member makes a difference in a candidate? What is it about union membership that really sets those people apart? Well, you know, like I said, I think that union members have seen what unions can do as a force for good. And they can also see what it means to come together as a collective voice and speak for things that really make a difference in our lives. And I think that that's something that's missing. I know when I go to my union meetings, you know, particularly with Shannon Myers running them, I walk out of there just feeling good about the world and having a lot of hope. Because, you know, when we all do good, we all do good. I want to make sure that I take that to Olympia with me so we can get that feeling in the legislature that we're all working together, that we're all working for good. And that is something that we always say on the show about solidarity and the labor movement is that you're never alone. So as a union representative, Terry Niles, I am sure you're going to bring all of our amazing voices up with you as working people to help make our lives better in this state. So you're not alone, Terry. We got your back. Thank you. So you mentioned bringing that feeling of solidarity with you up to Olympia. Do you think that's going to change anything in the way that the state house runs? I have hope for that. One thing that UNIS has always been a voice for is underserved people. Uh, example, I just spent some time with people that are being forced out of their homes. These are people that live in, you know, manufactured home parks, mobile home parks that are being bought out and forced out of their homes. These are working people that are choosing to live in the most affordable means that we have. And when we're addressing affordable housing, we need to protect the affordable housing that we have. These are people that are making smart decisions for themselves and for their families. And now they're being kind of thrown under a bus. So these are the kind of people that I want to be a voice for. Um, I listened to their stories for an hour or so, and it was heartbreaking. That's what I want to be as a representative. I want to bring, you know, working people's stories to the table. These people are being thrown out? We have large corporations that are buying mobile home parks. I spoke to a woman that had bought her place only two months before they just suddenly said, oh, this mobile home park has been sold. And she's like, I can't sell it. I can't move it. What do I do? I just spent $200,000. It's heartbreaking. And it's elderly people, you know, on fixed incomes that have decided like, oh, I'm going to live in these mobile home parts that are nice and a way to have a sense of ownership. 
and still be able to afford to live. It's also not only the elderly, it's single parents that are buying manufactured homes or mobile homes just to give their children a sense of stability and a place to live. So there's large groups that are buying them and they're either raising their rents 10 times what they can afford on a fixed income or selling property. It was a dire situation, as you can imagine me as a union member. And as a nurse, I was listening to it and it was just heartbreaking. These are the kind of people I want to stand up for. There's many other issues that affect affordable housing. But the one thing that we need to do is protect the affordable housing that we do have. I'm really glad, Terry, that you brought up affordable housing. When we talk to labor councils all around the state, we are all facing this houseless problem. You go to Spokane, it's there. You go to Mm -hmm. Tri-Cities, it's there. You go to Bellingham, it's there. You're not making the situation better by kicking people out of their affordable homes. Right now, I have my daughter and her family living in a two-bedroom, one-bath house in downtown Vancouver, and they're paying $2,000 a month for rent. They're not even buying. So to have these people who are living in affordable homes, manufactured homes, to then say, you got to go, they're going to end up on the street with all of our other houseless community members. Exactly. There are other predatory things that are happening with these people that are buying these mobile home parks. There's a lot to address legislatively around this. There was a couple pieces of legislation that they tried to get through at our last legislative session, and they were thrown under the bus by our current representatives, at least in the 17th and 18th. I'm open to listening to any kind of solutions that anybody has, but what I'm not open to is watching these people just continue to be thrown under the bus and end up, you know, houseless. I mean, some of them are in their 80s, and where are they going to go? You know, they can't move their home out of there because many of these mobile homes and manufactured homes are not movable. And then there's no place to put them. I'll tell you what, we have some of our candidates running for local office here in Southwest Washington. They seem to have a solution for the houseless problem. Arrest them all, put them in jail, send them away because everybody who is without a home is a criminal or a drug addict. And I'll tell you what, folks, go talk to some of those people. They're just trying to survive. The whole issue of houselessness, I mean, my opponents, they go straight to, you know, we need more mental health services. Like, I don't think they really understand houselessness right now. You know, there might be some people out there with some mental health issues, and I'm not denying that there is. But there's so many reasons why people are houseless right now. And the lack of affordable housing is one of the main issues. It's kind of discouraging when I'm talking to my opponents and that's what they think is happening and they're not addressing the real issues. There's a huge blanket of issues that we need to talk about when dealing with that. Wages for one thing, you know, housing is going up, wages aren't. If everybody's making a living wage, then maybe they might be able to afford a place to live. You sound like a union person, Terry. I know. (laughs) I know. So- Terry, would you say that housing affordability is your main issue or are there other issues that you want to bring to Olympia? Well, um, I'm going to bring up an issue that my opponent brought up. So I'm going to talk about it. During my endorsement interview for the Colombian, my opponent said that he would vote to ban abortion in Washington state should he be elected. 
I've heard since then, he's been telling people, I don't want to talk about abortion. It's like, well, I'm sorry, dude, you brought- you're a state representative <laughs> and your vote will talk about abortion. So he better talk about it now to all of us females here. I know. He wants to talk about economics. I'll talk about how he wants to take away a woman and a family's most important economic decision that they can make. You know, whether or not we have a ballot measure in Washington state, you know, this is now a state's rights issue. Everyone that you elect from the governor to your state representative to anybody, you need to think about this being a state's rights issue. And it could change really quickly. People think they're safe in Washington state, but we're not. It hasn't been long that we've had democratic majority. Having someone in office that is willing to take away folks' rights to decide what their futures are, what their families look like, their healthcare, reproductive options, is uh, it's scary. And I will tell you, the labor movement, we are not Democrats. We are not Republicans. We are union members. How the labor movement looks at it, it's a healthcare issue. It's a pocketbook issue. It's a life choice issue. I'm talking to my doctor, and I am deciding what I do with my life. That is why the labor movement is involved with this topic. It is very, very contentious with some of our members. There are people in our ranks who feel that abortion is wrong. But the unions are all about economic justice. We are all about living wages and having a good job. And part of that is healthcare and being able to make our choices on what we're doing with our life. So thank you for bringing it up in that way, Terry Niles. Thank you for putting that so well. You know, people that are all for limited government, they're all for privacy, but then the hypocrisy of saying that they want to make that decision for us, those economic decisions, those are life-changing decisions. And those are privacy decisions. The state shouldn't be involved with it. And I agree wholeheartedly that it is an issue about people's personal beliefs. Uh, My opponent said it was based on his Roman Catholic religion is what he said, which I support everybody's personal religious beliefs, but that shouldn't be involved in policymaking. I've had many people, constituents reach out to me after they heard that statement. Many Republicans reach out to me saying that, you know, this is not the direction that we want to go. What people do tend to forget is that when you sit there and say that my religion doesn't accept it, well, you know what? Your religion is not the only one. And that's something that we're all about in labor as well, aren't we? Defending everybody's right to practice their own religion or not to practice religion. The important thing is that everybody is treated equally. The labor community, uh, you know, we have respect for everyone. I can walk into the labor meeting and I know there's people that don't agree with everything that I have to agree with, but we still sit there as brothers and sisters and we still work together and support each other for our personal beliefs, our personal privacy, our personal freedoms, and our personal liberties. Well, Terry, how can people get a hold of you if they do want to talk to you about these issues or any other issues? My website is VoteTerryNiles.com, or you can email me at Niles17LD at gmail.com. Thank you, Terry Niles. Now stick with us, working people. We'll be right back. So proud to stand together for work and family. Heart and soul that's made this a better place to be. It's the union 
Thanks for sticking with us, working people. And thanks to the George Meany Labor Archive at the University of Maryland for providing that little blast from the past. That was a little audio from the 1988 Union Yes campaign. Thanks so much to the Meany Archive and the Labor Radio Podcast Network for providing it to us. Joe Keir is also running for the State House of Representatives, also in the 17th Legislative District, and he's also a union member. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe. Thank you. So, Joe, we just got done talking to Terry Niles, who is running for the state house in the 17th Legislative District. How can you also be running for the state house in the 17th? Are you running against Terry? No, actually, we're running in tandem. She's running for position one, and I am running for position two. I'm running against an incumbent, Paul Harris, who's the House Republican minority leader. So. There are two state representatives for each district. Is that how that works? Yes. We have one senator and two representative positions in each legislative district. And Joe, I mentioned before, you're also a union member. What union are you a member of? I'm a machinist. I was a worker at the Daimler truck plant in Portland. And in 2005, I was elected by the membership of District W24 to be a union representative. And that was a membership elected position. Um, We had four people running against the current business reps and we won. And I was a union rep until I retired in 2017. And if the listeners don't know, I am also a machinist, and I'll give a shout out to the IAM W536 in Longview. So this is not your first election, obviously, and not the first time that you've run against somebody who's already in power. That's actually true. And in fact, the union election involved campaigning at plant gates and plant tours and signs and lots of actual face-to-face campaigning. So what's different? about this? Or what's the same? I mean, what's this experience like? A lot of union members, they like to get involved in their community. They like to make change. But you've taken sort of an extraordinary step here in actually running for the state legislature. What's that been like? In a union election, we're all brothers and sisters, and we just have different perspectives of how to be more effective. In this election, I'm running against someone who actually supports and promotes and is in receipt of lots of funds from big money and big money interests and some of the biggest companies and concerns in the state. So we're running a campaign for working folks to put the focus on working families, and he's running a campaign to keep things as they are. I'm glad that you brought that up, that you're running for working families, Joe. As a union member yourself, how do you feel that plays a role? in your campaign, in working for working families? I'm really focused on bringing perspective to the legislature. That is, we're always going to do what's in the interest of working families, 
promoting good paying union jobs, promoting small business, promoting local industry, things that are going to help people make it in this society. Right now, we have a lot stacked against us. And that's the approach we take in union negotiations. We come together and we try to figure out what our common interests are and how we can move forward. I want to do that in our legislative district. I think the people of our district in Southwest Washington can figure out how to solve our problems, but we don't need to listen to the big money folks about what the solutions are. We know the solutions from our own experience. Joe, you mentioned small business, but you're on the side of organized labor. How do those two things work together? Because you hear a lot of small businesses concerned that their workers might unionize. Uh, that's a good point. And some small businesses actually are not opposed and some actually favor their workers being unionized. The folks running small business usually have the ability to listen to their workers and they depend on them and they're trying to keep their workers in the business where the larger concerns are removed from the workforce and start getting into just looking at the profit situation. With small business, usually the first, second generation owners are really involved with their workforce. But when they start getting into the third generation or more, typically what happens is the investment in the workforce is not priority and it's all about the profit motive. And that's when we really do need unions in those situations. But yes, I believe we should unionize all workplaces. Small businesses would actually benefit from unionization because that's how you get good health care. You get opportunities for retirement and you get people who will stick around and not leave. You know, I love that Joe is bringing up business and labor together because if business doesn't have labor to run their business, they don't have a business. And if there's no businesses around, we have nowhere to work. So why don't we work together? And who is better to figure that out than a retired union rep who'd been fighting with working families and trying to build relationships between business and labor for years? I really think that having the experience of union negotiations and bringing people to the table and trying to find common interests and where our interests actually align, if they're not exactly in common, we do have an alignment of interests, which is making the concern work for everyone and having a voice for workers. Because, you know, who are the people who know most about getting things done? The workers on the floor of the factory or in the actual production or on the front lines of the sales force, et cetera. Those are the folks that actually know best how to accomplish the jobs that will make the concern a profitable and going concern. So, coming together and trying to shepherd those disparate interests together at the negotiating table is a good experience of learning how to compromise, but actually keep moving forward and keeping the focus on improving the lot of working families. We talked earlier in the show about this Gallup poll that got released this week saying that 71% of Americans are in favor of unions, which is Amazing. It's the first time that we've had that level of support for organized labor since, I think, 1965. I would assume that there's a lot of support for your campaign from working people, but I would also assume the idea of someone who was a union rep running to be in the legislature might be painted as somewhat sinister by your opponent. Are you running into that sort of thing? I haven't yet. I have actually had people who are not from the union movement um, talking to people at the doors. 
listen to my experience and think, well, that's a really good thing. I think it does translate as someone who would be effective helping to get our voices heard in the legislature and be effective in terms of actually getting legislation that provides for the opportunities we need in Southwest Washington. You know, I'm running as a Democrat, which is the majority, and we think it'll be the majority in 2023. The big decisions are in the caucus. And someone who's in the minority is not right there at the table when we're making the decisions of where the money should go and what the priorities are. So someone like myself who has the experience of doing that and will be part of the majority is actually an effective representative for our working families in Southwest Washington. So I want to know, Joe, you're out there knocking on the doors and I was just looking at the temperature gauge here. It is uh, August 30th and we are in the middle of a heat wave for all of you. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. What are you hearing from people in the 17th? People are talking about the problems with rising costs. So childcare is really unaffordable and sometimes it's just not available. We should be putting money in that. The state has a surplus. That should be a place that we're putting money to good use to help young families. People are talking about the housing question, especially when I'm knocking on doors in mobile home parks or places where people are feeling the crunch. We could be doing more. My opponent, Paul Harris, voted against, by my accounting, about 27 bills in the legislature that would have improved housing accessibility and affordability. We can do something. And then a big concern is also just the general economy and that we should be promoting jobs in our area. I talk about the fact that our state has listened to big money for a long time. Big money interests have had their way. A lot of tax subsidies and tax breaks for the biggest corporations. And I say, you know, let's maybe ask them to contribute a little bit because they've done very well. And let's talk about putting the money to use to help working families. And people almost to a person say, yes, that's what we need to do. So you've mentioned a couple of priorities. You've mentioned affordability. You've mentioned housing. Are there other issues that are important to take up to Olympia from Southwest Washington? We should be working on this climate crisis. Shannon mentioned the heat wave. These are not our normal weather pattern. We should be doing things, but it's a way to also provide jobs. We should be doing conversion from fossil fuels to electrical HVAC and clean energy production. And that's going to create a lot of jobs, but we have to do something about that. I think it's really important that we address the housing crisis, but also the homelessness crisis. I see them as different. The chronic homeless that I've been involved with helping and talking to and the people who work with them agree that there's a lot of folks that are out there in a chronic homeless situation because they have drug problems and mental health problems almost always stemming from childhood trauma. So we need to get dual diagnosis rehab facilities in our area that will help people make the step to get into a situation where they can transition to permanent housing. And that is something that takes some money. But if we do that, we're going to have a lot of savings in terms of people going in and out of rehab, in and out of the ER and hospital stays, in and out of jail and incarceration. We're spending a lot of money treating the symptoms when we should be treating the actual causes. I think another issue that really needs addressed is public safety. Everyone doesn't feel safe in our community. We have people from minority communities who don't feel safe. We don't have safety in our schools because we have a lot of problems with 
gun violence. And I think our solution is another case where we need to spend the extra funds that we have available to develop community policing, put more people into law enforcement, but do it in a way that is making everyone feel safe. And that includes equitable law enforcement, more training, and doing something like the CAHOOTS program in Eugene, where we have an example of sending out mental health professionals from 911 calls to someone who's in crisis and not sending law enforcement. Those programs really work, but it takes putting the extra funds that we have in the state house to work to solve our problems now and save money in the future. Joe, how do people find out more about your campaign? The best way is going to my website, which is www.jokeher.com, J-O-E-K-E-A-R.com. And you can find out information on the campaign. You can donate if you'd like, you can sign up to help, and you can find out about future events. Well, thank you, Joe Keir, retired machinist rep and candidate for Washington State House in the 17th Legislative District. Thanks. And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And remember, listeners, if you want to meet Terry and Joe in person, get to know them a little better. Ask them those hard questions. Come to our Labor Day picnic in Kalama on September 5th. It's going to be at Haydew Park from 11 to 3. Bring your whole family. And you can find all the details about the picnic at our website, swwaclc.org. You know, Labor Day is about celebrating working people and reminding each other that they're important to our society. Without working people, none of the work that we depend on in our daily lives even gets done. And we depend on a lot of work that sometimes we even take for granted. Every job is important, and everyone doing that job is also important and deserves respect. And protecting the people doing this job is incredibly important. Whether we're talking about nurses, machinists, our garbage and recycling people, or our podcast hosts. And that's why those workers have unions. And that's why this podcast of course, was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. It doesn't matter what job you do. If you work for someone else and you work for a paycheck, you deserve to be protected in your workplace. And the best way to get that protection? A union contract. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SWWACLC. And please don't forget to subscribe to the show. It's Labor Day. Support your labor podcast and subscribe to us. Pass the link on to your friends, family, and your neighbors. And while you're at it, give us five stars or... Put the protective fence around the mobile home park or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to let people know you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. Right now, the news is dominated by a lot of national stories, right? Monkeypox, Ukraine, that stuff that happened in Mar-a-Lago, 
Who cares about what's happening in your local House and Senate race, right? What difference does it make who goes to Olympia? Well, think about what Terry and Joe were talking about. Think about some of the issues they were bringing up. Things like housing. Things like how expensive everything is. That's the kind of stuff that gets dealt with at the state legislature. The people running for these offices, they're important because they're dealing with important stuff. So take a little time. Get to know the people who are running for your state House of Representatives, for state Senate. Make sure they're the kind of people who are going to bring your issues up to Olympia. I also want to make a point. Whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, please check out the candidates. We need to stop the tribalism of voting based on parties because the parties really don't give a rat's patootie about us and our daily lives. But the people running for those positions do. So be educated. Connect with the people who are running for office and ask them the questions that directly affect our daily lives. Because if they get into office and they're not worried about what we do every day, they're going to start taking away our freedoms. They're going to start changing laws and they're going to start telling us how to live. So please do your research. Look at the candidates. Look at if they support living wages, if they support health care, and if they support rebuilding Washington state in a cleaner, more progressive way. Those are the issues we should be looking at. We'll see you soon. Bye.